welcome to another exciting edition of Tales from the Attic. Hi, I'm your host, Donnie Salvo. And if you're new here at Tales from the Attic, this is what we do. I do. Uh, I do this and you listen to it. That's how this works. And, um... What I do is I go up into my attic, I reach into a long box, I grab a random comic, I come down here and I talk about it with you, and hopefully hilarity ensues. Hopefully. Long pause there. Indeed. Okay. But before we get started, let's talk about our sponsor. Tales from the Attic is sponsored, as always by Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, where you can get anywhere between 35 to 40, 50, 75% off your comic books. What? No, I'm telling you the truth. It's true. It's true. It's damn true. And I have been, I just stole a line from Kurt Angle via WWE 1999. Anyway, um, anything you can find in previews? My buddies at DCB Service got it. Just like that. If there's something in previews you want, it's on that website. You clickety-clack on it, and boom, it's yours. Just like, well, you got to pay them money. But, uh, yeah, it's just like that. And comic books come right to your door. I've been using them for a long time. Never had a problem, okay? Um, I do the once-a-month shipping. You could do weekly, bi-weekly, once a month. I do once a month, and it's just uh, literally because of my comic book buying problem it's anywhere between 12 to 15 pounds of comics a month a month and i just dig right in it's awesome it's awesome so go see my pals at dcbservice.com there you go i don't know why i'm singing already but are you ready are you ready for this one this one is epic comics november 1991 Captain Confederacy. <laughs> That's right. Captain Confederacy. Alrighty. Um, here we go. We open up. This, I said 91. All right, I just graduated high school. Uh, Epic Comics. Was this, were they part of Marvel? I'm looking, but... Uh, of course, this is called Captain Confederacy, so I don't think Marvel's going to put their stamp on it, even if they are. Anyway, um, we open up the Willenhelm Mark IV somewhere in the Atlantic. Oh, if you hear motorcycles and things, I have my window open. It's such a gorgeous day. I wanted to share my tales from the attic with the whole neighborhood. Anyway, so in the Willenhelm IV somewhere in the Atlantic... There's a crazy glider type of rocket person flying outside a ginormous blimp with the German Iron Cross and the Iron Eagle on it. And we, oh, we have a German. It's just, do not question Captain Freeman's skill, Your Majesty. He has always been one of Germany's finest test pilots. And then, uh, you question her loyalty and he says yes and the woman says you are obsessed oh I guess this is the is this a guy or a girl I can't tell 
they just refer to her him him her in in this in this book that uh that's the your majesty is a uh, so this guy's like I prefer to think I am watchful your majesty in your service and in your interests we flipped the page you could hear that means me flipping the page and also they're like and inside of this blimp too is all these little rocket ships how do you fit rocket ships in a blimp man already doesn't make sense and you got German soldiers dressed like his WW2 the big one um, she know anything she should not no all oh, them Germans always keep a secret she flies well colonel she was my equal before my accident now she has no equals in flying what of your other iron falcons so I guess this is an iron falcon oh this is a chick alright I really think it's a chick the majesty and in um Colonel says, "They have promised, but to display the suit in New Orleans, Captain Freeman was my only choice." And she's all, imagine she's all, "Cheer up, Hans. The world will marvel at our capabilities." And should you and the captain flee in, her, oh no! And should the captain flee in her armor, you may personally. Press the button that will destroy it. Oh, sneaky German secrets and explosive buttons. Oh my god, where are we going? San Antonio, Independent Republic of Texas. This is a different world, people. This is a different world. I think there's a map and a key. Map of Central North America. Number one, Florida. It goes like from Florida all the way up into the Midwest. Confederate States of America. <laughs> Number two. Uh, there's this little tiny portion down on the bottom it says Louisiana Free State 3 United States of America goes from like uh, looks like uh, Oklahoma maybe all the way up and around up into Maine, New York City 4 Republic of Texas guess what it is, it's Texas yep 5 Great Spirit Alliance those are your Dakotas that area um Six, the desert. Yep, that'd be Nevada, Arizona, maybe New Mexico. Seven, People's Republic of California. That's California. And the states above California, all the way up to Canada, Canada. It's called Pacifica. So you go. See, we have like all this uh, stuff here. So there you go. And uh, there's actually a key <laughs> to the back cover of all the heroes that are there. This is confusing already. But anyway, let's get back to the San Antonio, the independent Republic of Texas. San Antonio, the great and Ted Paso. All right. There's a crazy dude in a metal shirt with a scientist next to him. And he's like, scientist says your wife came by crazy dude in the suit says you want to up the weight doc I don't feel a thing that's a bit of a joke I don't know what that means alright now it looks like a dude I don't know if he's a cyborg or if he's in a metal suit but uh he's he, okay uh the scientist is like not the funny bit of them assume and he goes nah I saved that for the folks with a sense of humor and the scientist says looks like the exoskeleton's bearing up fine 
Still worry about the knees. Okay, so it's an exoskeleton, so I don't think it's a cybernetic. Um, he says, no, what's more important is to see how the unit carries you, whether it puts stress on any part of you. And then the dude with the beard in the, in the suit says, what parts are left of me? Oh, maybe this is a cybernetic. I don't know what's going on. And then the doctor says, Psychiatry say you'd be fine to go out to New Orleans, but if you're depressed, just another one of those jokes, Doc, without a punchline. And uh, he says, You could get back on the main unit. Sure thing, Doc. He does this crazy thing, dude, where his feet are facing the other way, his whole body swivels around. All right? And then he says, I'll saddle up the old dialysis machine. And dude, he picks himself off his own legs. Like his his hips and his groin area and and his legs are there. He picks himself up and he's waddling across the floor on his hands to this big horsey looking thing. And then he goes, no wonder you folks are making me into a cartoon hero. I could leap broad canyons in a single bound and I ain't got a dick. I'm not making this up. This says this. And he gets onto this horsey-looking thing, and he screws in, and it looks like a horse with tank wheels on the bottom. I. This is the weirdest fuck. How is the Confederacy in... Okay, Mexico City. Empire of Mexico. Why wouldn't it be? Of course it is. Is this an alternate Earth? Did something happen? I don't know. And there's a, a Spanish man and lady outside. Looks like an airport. And the guy says to the girl... Will he be here? Will he not? And then she says, of course, he must make an entrance. He's like, even here? What could he do in a place like this? And uh, she says, el brujo. He'll think of something. That's his job. And then the dude's like, you sound so cynical. She's like, that's my job. I think Mexico loves him because he's so... And then the guy, he's like, oh, she's the cameraman. He's the reporter. Hey, that's a switch. Usually it's the other way around. Boy, these guys, creative juices are flowing. And, and, uh, but anyway, she's like, that's my job. I think Mexico loves him because he's so, and the reporter guy's like, what, what is, and she goes, blatant. And all of a sudden, here comes this dude, and he's got like this green luchador outfit on with, with red Captain America boots and gloves with a, big huge white cape and it looks like a pistol on the side and uh he comes out and he says please not please do not be alarmed by my theatrical ways there is no fire (laughs) because there's all this smoking shit behind him and a little boy's running up to him and and his mother's like Juanito stay behind me and and he's all but mama it's El Brujo I don't know what that means El Brujo what does that mean is that beer in Spanish, El Brujo, get it, Brujo. Oh, I got nothing. I really got. I'm sorry. Well, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, some dude just pulls out a pistol and he's like, "Stay back, everyone. We only want the boy." And the little boy's like, "Mama," and the reporter's like, "I can't believe." And the camera woman's like, "Believe me, just hit record. I'm just gonna hit record." And then um, the mother's like. You made a mistake. We aren't rich. And then the reporter's like, live from the Maximilian Airport, a hostage situation in the making as El Brujo. And then all of a sudden, 
Aburo pulls out his pistol, dude. He just starts shooting at the guy with the gun and whatnot. And another guy with the gun. And um, the reporter's like, oh my God, he could shoot. In the- How could he shoot in this crowd? And uh, the camera woman's like, blanks, blood bags, and the bad ones. Clothing. Th- think of yourself, boy. Oh, think of... Yeah. And then, and then the reporter's like... The first kidnapper is fallen now, and then he's all. If the boy comes close, dies. If you come closer, that's the main guy who got the boy. And, and then El Brojo says, "Harm him, and I will follow you to hell to see you suffer." And the guy just threw his gun at El Brujo. Why would you? Why wouldn't you just shoot him? Why would you throw your gun? I don't, did he forget to load it? Is this? And he he tries to run past El Brujo. El Brujo punches him in the gut and then smacks him across the face. And the reporter's like, it looks like professional wrestling. And uh, the camera woman says, it, it'll look fine on the air. Might have to edit a little, but I doubt it. And the reporter's like, it seems so irresponsible. So Burrow takes off his mask, and everybody loves him. And the cops come and take these um, these uh, kidnapper guys away. And um, the local authorities were obviously warned in advance no one had a heart attack, and everybody's delighted now, eh? So, <laughs> so the 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 reporter's like, "This is a lie," and and the camera was like, "It's a morality play in a troubled world. Virtue in Mexico triumph once again. Will you tell the truth? No one cares to hear, or will you get your story?" And another reporter runs up to him and is like, "El Brujo." What of the reports of your affair with the Princess Colada? And I don't know why it made him sound like Slowpoke Gonzalez. I'm sorry. It's such a stereotype. Um, and he says, These things are ex- expected of folk heroes. Exaggerations all. Another w- reporter woman says, Senor Brujo, Brujajo, what do you hope to accomplish in New Orleans? And he says, To share Mexico's discoveries with the world. Come to my apartment at ten. Ten at night. Then oh no! At come to I don't know what he's saying. Maybe it's because he doesn't. Maybe English isn't his first language or mine. Apparently, but he says to share Mexico's discovery with the world. Come to my apartment at ten the night I return, and you may hear all about it. Oh, he wants some. And then, and then our reporter guy's like, El Brujo, are you troubled by the poor reviews for El Brujo Yael Escalo Verte? I don't know what any of this means. And El Brujo says, the people love me, thank God. Come to my apartment at midnight when I return and you may learn more. Whoa. Whoa. And then uh, the camera woman says, well, at least he has one of the requirements of the folk heroes. I don't know. Brigham Young Stadium, Salt Lake City. There we go. All right. They're in a gym, gymnasium stadium thing. And there's a truck and a bunch of boxes and barrels and whatnot. And then there's a voice that says, Dr. Denholm, there at the far end. You see Dr. Darehole there at the far end? And there's a dude in a suit. He's like, yeah, the the young woman our people call Dr. Desert 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 oh god i'm stuttering what's wrong with me and um the 
do- the other doctor's like, a few boys from, from the varsity teams volunteered to stop her from reaching the end of the stadium. And um, he said, we didn't want to make this too easy. So she ran 10 miles to get here. She took no drugs until she arrived. And then he said, and now? The other doctor said, and now? And he's like, she's whacked out on cocaine. She is whacked out on cocaine. She's not going to feel a thing these guys are doing to her. No, he didn't say that. He said, a stimulant to keep her moving quickly or a pain suppressor, perhaps. Part of the test is to see how how well she judges her body's needs and tolerances. We've only begun to t- test the limits of human efficiency. So she starts, she jumps over a thing, uh, like a, um, a wall, half wall, you know, like they have in boot camp or whatnot. And uh, this big old wrestler guy from the Brigham Young jumps out. She flips him. And then she, there's a boxer dude. She jumps over him. And then uh, she's getting closer and closer to the edge. And um, the doctors are talking. And he's, and he's like, there are over 50 drugs available in, to her and the cartridges of her belt. They snap into the tap in her arm and sending the contents directly into her bloodstream an instant. In an instant. And uh, the other guy's like, she could abuse herself horribly. <laughs> the morality of this is... And then uh, the scientist says, the Lord is pleased when we seek to improve ourselves. President Scott. And Dr. Denholm is the doctor of medicine. And then um, the guy's like, the Lord is not pleased by hubris. Professor Barnes, neither doctors of medicine nor supervisors of special programs are excluded. And um, the doctor's like, yes, but the desert is hardly surrounded by allies. We need... And then the other guy says, desert needs efficient defenders, I know. But I do not have to like what I've approved. If Dr. Denholm dies, we'll both have killed her. And the other doctor's like, yeah, uh, put these on. This test is about to come more interesting. So there's another dude with boxing gloves and a guy with a big, like, foam bat thing and another dude, and they all got infrared goggles on, and he turns off the... The doctor turns off the lights. And so Dr. Um, Denaholm is... She gets hit over the head. The other guy goes to grab her, and she monkey flips him over. The boxing glove guy comes after her, and she gives him a ninja sweep kick and knocks him on his ass and then he gets up and uh, then all of a sudden her eyes switch colors and she was able to uh, she was able to see in the dark so she the boxing guy's up and she jumps up puts him in a chokehold and then ninja kicks the guy with the bat in the face and then the doctors are <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> and then the doctors flip open the light and they see her and she has to put on these special glasses that look like Cyclops blinders because her eyes are messed up. Um, and then she, she just keeps throwing these guys all over the place. Finally, she makes it to the end, and the, and the little guy says to the doctor, he goes, the male doctor, he says, does it seem strange that we may be represented in New Orleans by a woman? And then the doctor says, I confess it does. He says, they're great women in desert's history remember diana kirkham whom called some whom some called the prophet prophetess like her may come again 
as my wives will not let me forget. And, and he's like, well done, Dr. Denholm. And he's like, you'll be represented. We'll be represented well. Go rest. And Professor Barnes has told me the toll the drugs take on you. And then uh, she's like, thank you, President Scott. I will try to be worthy of the desert and God. And she just she just literally gives herself some drugs right in front of everybody and walks away. Now we're at San Francisco, the United Republic of California. That's located in California. Need a drink there to wet my whistle. Uh, crystal light. Fruit punch. That's what I'm drinking. There's a guy and a girl wearing very brightly yellow clothes. And they're in a restaurant. And the guy says, that's him. Uh, black woman says, and the flyer? He must be some guy getting getting a better look at a, at a sunbather. So there's this dude in a helicopter car. It's a car. Small. One-seater. Maybe like a smart car. A little smaller than a smart car. Helicopter on top of it. Helicopter parts on a smart car. I like it. And then the dude's all, nope, he's landing. And the chick's all, might be a magazine salesman or Jehovah's Witness or someone needing to use the toilet. And then uh, one of them says, it's the damn Yankee. Damn Yankee. It's the damn Yankee. Can you take me Can And then Ted Nugent comes out with that ugly-ass zebra overcoat, kicks in a fake door with fog in it, and he starts playing guitar. So I'm not the only one that remembers the damn Yankees, man. Don't you try and pretend like you don't. Remember to can you take me high fly me over yesterday? Yeah, I remember that. You remember it too, don't you lie to me? So then it's the other one says, Bueno, Carlos, let's gun him down now. Wow, we're gonna kill this guy. <laughs> wow. So they radio in. I don't know what they're doing. There's two people walking across the, the, the window, and the woman says, could be Angelo Californio. Could be their landlord. Could be anybody. And uh, the other guy says, I'm calling for police backup. We're going in. And she's all, don't be crazy. You can't be sure. And then uh, they just let in the man who meets the informant's description. He came in a flyer, Philippa. Oh, he came in a flyer. Philippa and I are going in Send the police now. And then the voice at the end of the walkie-talkie says, Wait! He's like, he'll be going in two minutes. I'm going in with or without you. And she's all, what if they have guns? He goes, I don't think they're that stupid. But we'll get out fast if we have to. And she says, you just want to go to New Orleans as a hero. Another guy going to New Orleans. And they're, they're dressed like in karate geese. One of them looks like it has a bear on it. I don't know what the hell's going on. And he says, my sister died a junkie. Yankees make money turning our people into addicts. Phil. I'm going to get this one. She's all, okay. He goes, okay. So she's got a bo- they both got bow staffs and they're running across the street. Like, no one's going to see people in karate- yellow karate geese running across the street with big-ass bow staffs. And he's like, I'll take the back. 
in one minute. You go to the front. So he's cutting through somebody's backyard. A little kid sees him and he goes, shh, don't. And this chick, man, she goes to the front door, just ninja kicks the front door and knocks it in. And then he's in the back and he goes, too soon, Philly. And she goes, you're surrounded. Give me your guns. It's your only hope. And there's a businessman and street toughs. And the businessman's like, no, she's right. And the street toughs like, no, I. And then they pull out and uh, guns. And then the businessman says, here, here, here's my gun. And she goes, and the street tough's like, I'm not going to. And then uh, the dude runs in. He's like, Philly, are you? And then the street tough's like, oh, okay, then. She's like, it's under control, but someone shoots. And and the Spanish guy, I'm not even lying, says, adios mios. So it says, swear to God. And the street tough's like, but. And then. Philly says, you bastard, and she shoots the street tough, shoots the shit out of him with the businessman's gun, shoots, and he goes, Philly, and then uh, she runs over to, to him, and she's consoling him, and the businessman goes, I'll take that gun too, sorry this had to happen. And the businessman takes a gun, street tough's gun off the ground, and then he takes Philly's gun, and then, uh, and she hands it to him and goes, yeah. And then she's walking out of the house with, with the dead dude in her arms, her buddy. And then the cops are like, don't shoot, he's gone. And then she's all, oh, Carlito, you made so many sacrifices to make a better world. What the hell is going on here? We're meeting all these characters. For what? And now we're... We're in a battleship somewhere in the Pacific. Oh my god. This book is filled with stereo stereotypical shit, boy. Okay, here we go. Uh we're on a battleship in the Pacific. Uh looks like Japanese people. There's a woman in a there's uh what do you call them? We call it the geas. Is that what they're called? No. Geese or the che- the geisha. Geisha girls. There it is. Thank you. Ding ding ding. Survey says, there it is. Okay, they're talking to a little guy, and there's like one guy dressed like an admiral, and he says, "Your counselor have told, have told you why they would cancel the Solar Samurai Project, Your Majesty." Oh God. Um. Yes, they say we could we could build five more ships of of the floating castle class for what we what you wish to spend, and then uh, he's then the Admiral guys like you can imagine nothing standing against our floating castles and he goes do they not win the war with Britain I have been told this is true and then the geisha girl says it's true my son oh that's his, that's his mom and then the admiral's like I I would say your majesty that the warrior spirit of the Japanese people has won all our wars and will win all wars to come and then the dude's mom was all like, you're very patriotic. And he's all, Captain, I will show you why I say your majesty's counselors are misguided. This is a preview of what we will display in New Orleans. And uh, the guy's name is Captain Anagami. I don't know what that means. And all of a sudden, dude, he comes out of 
the water. This Captain Anagami guy comes out of the water. He goes, the suit does not function as well or as long underwater as its wearer could pursue to catch submarines. It's got a rising sun on it. It's it's red and white. It looks like a total uh, horrible ripoff of the Iron Man armor. With this stupid hat with horns hanging out of it. This helmet with horns hanging out of it. And then he's all... He's too small and too fast for anyone's guns to track him accurately. The robot plane is well armored as anything the Germans have in the air. The sword is a monomarcular blade. Molecular. Monomolecular blade. And is not his only weapon, of course. He can carry bombs and light artillery. He's got like a a flaming sun that just turned into a lightsaber, basically. And and they're all the Germans are developing their own super knights. I say Japan must not fall behind them. What do you think of our little demonstration, your guys? And he's all clapping. He's like, again, please. Oh boy. Judiah P. Benjamin Station, Richmond, Virginia, Confederate United States of America. There's an African-American woman talking to a blonde man. Okay? Blonde white guy. All right. Think this trip... Think of the trip as our practice for our honeymoon. Whoa. (laughs) What the fuck is going on here? Okay. Um. Oh, some folks... Some folks think we're practicing a little late. Or are you smuggling a bowling ball into free Louisiana, Miss Williams? What? Oh, she's preggers. Okay. Ha, huh. she says. If it was a bowling ball, I'd make you carry, carry it half the time. I wish I... And all of a sudden, there's all these people. And it looks like they're Klansmen. But I can't really... Like, Klansmen without hoods. Like, they have the white robes with the crosses and shit. And I can't read what the sign says. Something white writes, something like that, and then the black woman says hell, and um, the white dude says the knight's old Dixie my ass, knaves maybe, and uh, the pregnant woman says, okay, Jem, Jem, truly, 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 out spelled just like the same thing. We missed the train. Maybe we drive to New Orleans after all. Then all of a sudden, these crazy knights, old Dixie, find them and they start circling them. Oh, no. And then dude says, Hey, where are you trying to go, Captain Coon Federacy? I thought, I thought you wanted attention. And then the guy's like, There they are. No. No. No, no, no. 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 There's an African-American pregnant woman who is Captain Confederacy. An African-American woman is Captain Confederacy. An African-American woman is Captain Confederacy. Whoever wrote this, did you open a history book? The Confederacy... 
Why would you take the job? That's all I'm saying. It's, why would a black woman take the job as Captain Confederacy? Do, do they not have history books? What What the... F- what the... F- are you kidding me? Are you serious? Are you serious? You're serious. So we have a pregnant African-American woman who is Captain Confederacy, and they are making racial comments to her right now in the South, which she represents as Captain Confederacy. <sighs> so she says, please let us pass. And the white devil says, we'll let, we'll let you on the train, won't we, boys? We'll let you on a third class where you're kind of supposed to ride. Now I'm getting mad. This bullshit. In 1991. See, they're just being racist to her. And, and she represents them because she's Captain Confederacy. Okay. Uh, all of a sudden, the, this dude, um, the blonde dude, pushes his way in front. And he's like, all right. The reporters are all awake. You get you get your 20 seconds on the evening news, and they let us pass. And this other red beard dude, he says, You that kid Dixie? The Confederate's very own Miss Continental superhero? Pass me by, kid Dixie. And then, uh, listen to this. Captain Confederacy who's a pregnant African-American woman, says, don't get all macho, white boy. And then, uh, oh boy. And then this dude, the red beard racist guy, says, that's right, white boy. Do what that black bit tells you to. And then the white dude, just he puts his, he just puts his lips up to the, the red haired guy. He goes, shh. Shh. And he's ready to hit him. He's ready to hit him. And then Captain Confederacy, who I don't know if I told you this, is a pregnant African-American woman who's representing racism all over the world. She says, wait here, the police will be along soon. And then uh, this other racist pointing at her stomach, and he goes, whose baby you got in there? The, your little white studs, or you can't remember? And then she grabs his hand, man. She twists it, and he goes, let go of my hand, you whore. I can't believe he said that. You're provoking. And then uh, someone's yelling, stop that. Just stop that now. You hear me? What the? And it's an old lady with an umbrella, man. She's whacking the racists around, this old white lady. And she goes, don't swear. Don't you swear, young man. You call yourselves a knight's old Dixie. What kind of old Dixie do you remember? And then the blonde dude, not the... um, the blonde protester guy, the one of the old Dixie dudes, he says, listen, Granny, this ain't... She goes, don't you granny me. I pity your poor granny. She didn't teach you what a southern gentleman across. That, that She didn't teach you that a southern gentleman across no one. White, black, and certainly not a pregnant woman. Now you just get out of here if you... If you knights ain't enough to apologize to these hair folks, just get on out. And then the guy's like, oh, hell, come on. And then one of the other dudes looks at Captain Confederacy. Who is a pregnant African-American woman? And he goes, sorry, miss. And then the other guy just pushes. He goes, just eat, TJ. Just get out of here. 
And then uh, Captain Confederacy says to uh, her husband, I guess, she goes, something odd about the tall one. And he's all, what are you? And she goes, look, he's pulling, a, he's pulling a piece out of his sock, and he goes to lift it up to shoot, and uh, her her uh her pregnant um i mean her her boyfriend or what whoever it is the dude she called white boy turns around and he gets a roundhouse kick kicks the gun out of the way and then he this dude pulls a switchblade out of his pocket how many weapons does he have and then someone yelled come on they're attacking baker let's get him and then uh captain confederacy looks up at all the supremacists and she goes be happy you get your fight. And in the back, her, her the dude that she called White Boy is punching him in the face. <laughs> the guy in the face. And then... <laughs> um, the old lady gets up in front and she goes, What's the matter, boys? Figure one of you don't equal one of them. Figure half of what they are, a fifth. And then one of the guys at science says, I'm getting tired of you, old lady. And she goes, Well, don't let me keep you here. And the cops say, hey, show up, and they're like, of course the cops show up afterwards. What the? And he's all, hey, what's going on here? And then uh, the guy grabbed the racist dude, and he goes, this fellow thinks he's a one-man arsenal. The rest could speak for themselves. And then all the racists are yelling at the cop. They're like, we ain't armed. Bigger there showed up at the last meeting, and he wanted to fight the good fight. We thought he came to protest like us. We don't want to hurt nobody. We don't want to hurt anybody bad. We just, we don't want to hurt anybody bad. Like, we don't want to stab or shoot them. We want to call them racist names and make them feel horrible about themselves. That's basically what the, um, we, we just thought we ought to have a white man be Captain Confederacy like before. No offense, (laughs) ma'am. And then Captain Confederacy, who's a black burger woman, says, I'm sure. And then uh, the dude, I don't know, the the guy that they're going to arrest, he he lifted up his hand or something. And the old lady says, he's got a... And she grabbed him. She grabbed his arm and squeezed it. He had a suicide pill. And uh, the white boy says, Christ. And then the cops... Oh, no, it's a reporter. It says, Miss Williams, Mr. Vincent, you all got anything to say about this? And she says, yep, bye. And he says, talk to you in New Orleans. Why are we going to New Orleans? And then Captain Confederacy runs up and she says, thanks for, to the old lady, she goes, thanks for helping. You make me think President Lee chose the wrong, you, you make me think President Lee chose the wrong woman to be Captain Confederacy. And, uh, she said, "Don't thank me. Thank Jim Bart Brampton. He assigned me to you." And she and and then the white dude's like, "I guess his name is Mr. Vincent." He says, "You're CBI." I have no idea what that means. And uh, the old lady says, "Someone's got to watch over our southern heroes." I'm Miss Gardner. Uh, I'll be in the next compartment. Have a nice trip now. Um. So then, um, Captain Confederacy says to. Mr. Vincent, she says, so he was just a crazy fan of the first captain, or was someone trying to stop us from from getting to the Heroes Conference? And Mr. Vincent said, maybe the CBI will find out. We should put our minds on other things. 
And uh, Catholic Fetish said, well, Jimmy, what did Mr. Gardner think? And then he says, she think we're having a nice trip. And he grabbed her, and he's kissing her, and his hand's on her butt. And then Columbus, Ohio, the United States of America. Two people are playing chess. One guy just checked the other one. Oh, check, mate. Well done. Your mind wasn't on the game, Mr. Lennox. Diplomatic, too. I like that, Kelly. Nonetheless, always playing with a woman. My mind's always on what I'm doing. What do you think, team? And then they're in a room, and there's a, a black dude who looks like Fred Williams smoking a cigarette. And uh, a very fugly-looking white woman with bright orange hair drinking a scotch. And then the blonde woman he was playing chess with, the businessman was, she got up and she grabs a sword off the off the side of the wall, office wall. And uh, Fred Williams says, great game. And the fugly red-headed lady says, but it wasn't for blood, money, or glory. When it mattered, Miss McIntyre lost the world chess championship to Asperoff, Miss North America, the Miss North America title to that Pacifica girl. And then uh, the blonde lady says, I didn't get to be fourth grade hall monitor either. And the dude in the business suit says, careful, careful, Anne. She's still the North American woman's target shooting champ. But I only took the silver in fencing, if you have any doubts. And she's whipping around the fencing sword. And she said, and then the, the fugly redheaded lady says, not at all. Too bad there wasn't a, a sword handy when you faced Asperkoff. And then the blonde lady got mad. And she goes, yes, wasn't it? And then uh, Fred Williams says, she won the most important contest. True. A union maid. I hate that name. <laughs> I would, too. So the blonde lady's name union mate. My fault, I'm afraid, the businessman said. The head of North America Unity Foundation chooses his name for, for U.S. champions. Unofficially, President Wayne and I were at Yale together. Time to get ready for the League of Nations fundraiser. Yes, at least I won't have to wear this again before New Orleans. And she picks up this, like, white, red, white, and blue costume. And then, uh, so, uh, the businessman says to the guy who looks like Fred Williams, he says, so what do you really think? And Fred Williams says, she's loyal to the Union. She admires NUF's goals. We can use her. And the businessman says, were you playing your best game? And the other businessman said, I was playing the Confederates. What do you think? And he pops off the head. And that's how this ends. This, dude, this book was shit. This book was shit. Okay? Absolute arse. Okay. They have the list of all the heroes, and I don't care. I don't care. Uh, this is one of the worst comics I've ever read. Captain Confederacy. Uh, the art was terrible. The writing is terrible. This was just... Why would a woman... Look... I know that wasn't the slaves weren't the only thing the Confederacy wanted, but Jesus Christmas! Like, what were they thinking? Like, I, I just, what the? F I don't know. <sighs> Please visit my sponsor.
uh, dcbservice.com. Please go. You get up to 75% on some books. I mean, it's crazy. You get a great discount. You know what great discounts means? It's more room in your budget to read more stuff, to try more things. Uh, like, don't tr- if you ever see this come out in a trade, don't do it. Um, that was Captain Confederacy number one. And I feel dumber now. Um, so thanks. And uh, if, as always, if you have any requests or any questions or anything, you can email me at Donnie, D-O-N-N-Y, S-A-L-V-O, all one word, at yahoo.com. And <laughs> go check out my sponsor. And until next time, I'm sorry. Tired of going to the lame comic cons and sitting around with smelly, moldy comic book boxes and the odor of really creepy cosplayers? Well, you don't have to go there anymore. Connecticut Comic Con with two ends is back on August 24, 2013 at the Marriott Hotel in Trumbull, Connecticut. Join us at Connecticut Comic Con and be part of the coolest con in the entire Northeast. Toys, toys, collectibles, collectibles, sci-fi, sci-fi cosplay contest, all at Connecticut Comic Con. August 24th, Trumbull Marriott has an all-star lineup of comic creators: Mark Bagley, Ron Garner, Tom Palmer, Billy Tucci, Chris Giarusa, Joe Staten, Tom DeFalco, and many more surprises. From stormtroopers to Batmobiles, bat cycles to land speeders, they'll all be there at Connecticut Comic Con, August 24th, from Marriott. Looking for that rare action figure? You'll find it at Connecticut Comic Con. Looking for that comic book to complete your collection? You'll find it at Connecticut Comic Con. Want a piece of original artwork to hang on the wall? You'll find it at Connecticut Comic Con. Want to dress up and hang out with your cosplaying friends? You'll find it where? At Connecticut Comic Con. Connecticut Comic Con. It is your destiny. So join us and be part of the fun at Connecticut Comic Con, Saturday, August 24th, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. at the Marriott Hotel in lovely Trumbull, Connecticut. More details can be found at www.comiccon.com. Join us. It's sure to be another crowd pleaser. Connecticut Comic Con!